And on January 1st, 2017, we broke out the new year looking at a story from the Israelites, a time when uh, Moses had led the, the nation of Israel out of captivity. They'd been in captivity in Egypt for many centuries. And Moses, you probably heard of him, led them out of captivity. They were, they were, they were freed from slavery in Egypt. And God had given them a, a vision, a, a promise of a land that they would go into. So, so, so not only would they be able to, to be broken out of captivity in Egypt, but they would actually be able to enter into, be delivered into a land, a promised land, a beautiful land, an incredible land. Problem is though, that they got stuck on the way. They got stuck for 40 years, a journey that shouldn't have taken them more than several weeks. They got stuck for 40 years in the middle. And that's a vision for how many, for how some people's lives are turning out. I'm not finger pointing, I'm just saying in very general terms, I see too many people that, that, that Jesus meets them. They have a real encounter with God and He breaks them out of a life of slavery. He breaks them out of a life where, where they have no relationship with Him and they enter into a relationship and He gives them a vision of their future, of promise, of purpose, of potential. And yet somewhere on the way to that, that, that life of promise and purpose and potential and fulfilling that, they get stuck stuck in old patterns of sin, stuck in small ways of thinking, stuck in relational uh, habits and, and, and patterns of, of, of how they do life uh, that, that sees them. Yes, great, thank You God for delivering us from something, but not yet entering into something. And the reason that we, we, we talked about that is that this year that I felt God wanted to declare over you individually and over us together as Elevate Church that this is a breakout year, that we are gonna see God continue to lead us and we will continue to obey Him as He leads us into the promised land. Stuff that He wants to do in us, and stuff that He wants to do through us. That 2017 won't be a copy and paste of 2016. There's so much more that He wants to do. And here's the thing, this series we launched last week is all about the urgency that comes with that. Because it's February 15th already. And before you know it, it's gonna be October and then it's gonna be December. And if we haven't done what God wants us to do and do it with a sense of urgency, and by the way, front load the year, don't try to cram it all into December. That's gonna be a game changer. The time is now, not tomorrow, not next month, now. And we launched this series last week. And by the way, it seems to me that it got a lot of traction. I was encouraged to look at our podcast metrics. We had more people listening this week to this message in one week than we've ever had for any other message in one week. Now, people will continue to listen to it and the numbers go up, but, but there's something that God's doing. There's something that God's speaking to us. And I hope that not only are we listening, but that we're going out of here and doing because we don't gather here for information gathering. We gather here to, to get a word from God that we can take and apply and see our lives transformed into His image and likeness. So this series, The Time Is Now, is based around uh, a guy named Haggai. His uh, life appears in two chapters of a book called Haggai. 
And uh, we kicked that off last week. Let me give you the backstory. The backstory is that uh, 970 BC, yes, we still call it BC, um, Solomon became the king of Israel. And four years into Solomon's reign, he built, uh, God instructed him to build a temple. And this temple was incredibly Instagrammable. God gave him the specs, the size, the materials, told him all about it. And Solomon was, was the wealthiest man at the time, actually considered by many to have been the wealthiest person to have ever lived, even more money than Bill Gates. And so he sunk his, his time and his energy and his resources into building this incredible temple where God would be at the, epi, this would be the epicenter of the people's worship to God in Jerusalem. And they worshiped in this temple for the next 550 years. Their relationship with God was very much characterized by this temple, by this location, by what it meant, by the, 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 the statement that it made, by the experiences that they had, by the many generations after generations after generations that met with God, worshiped with God, sacrificed for God in this temple. 550 years, this spiritual identity was enmeshed with this temple. The Babylonians, after 550 years, enemies of Israel, however, came in and destroyed this temple. And we see some of that stuff happening now in parts of the world, where people who have got an anti-Christian agenda are destroying places where generations of people have worshipped uh, in, in parts of the world. And, and not only did the Babylonians destroy the temple, but they actually, once again, took the people of Israel into captivity and held them in captivity for the next 50 years. And so these, these people, not only were, were they physically displaced from their homeland, but this, this place that was the epicentre of their relationship and interactions with God had been destroyed and they'd been removed from that place. So there was great uh, shame associated with that, great sense of disappointment and failure associated with that. And they had to live with that in captivity for the next 50 years. God orchestrated it after 50 years, for 50,000 of the Israelites to be able to be let go from the Babylonians and allowed to go back to Jerusalem and start to rebuild this temple. So 50,000 people went back to Jerusalem and they got into this project that God had called them to do to, to rebuild the temple. And they put down the foundations and they built the altar and they were making progress. After 50 years, of shame and, and, and discouragement, making progress. But then another group of people, the Samaritans, opposed them, came and started pushing back against their efforts to rebuild the temple. And because of the opposition, because it got too hard, the, the people stopped building the temple. And in fact, they switched their attention from building God's house to just doing the easy thing, convenient thing, the comfortable thing, and building their own houses. But God didn't let his agenda go. God's assignment still needed to be completed. And because God is a God of the second chance, he tapped a guy named Haggai and he said to Haggai, I want you to go to the people and I want you to speak to them what I tell you. And so Haggai went to them and we talked about some of that last week. Now, if you've got the Elevate app or you can download our app, tap on the Bible tile. If you haven't got that or you don't know how to work a smartphone, uh, we will put the Bible up on the screen for you. But uh, it's good to have this. We love people getting their hands on the Bible. I know it doesn't go flip, 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 flip. Old school preaching, you'd say, now everyone, 
turn to Haggai uh, chapter 1, verses 13. I want to hear those pages swishing. <laughs> you don't say that anymore. And Haggai went and he spoke to the, the, the governor of Judah, a guy named Zerubbabel, and to the high priest and through them to the people and challenged them to get back to building God's temple. God, in that instance, once again, showed up and showed Himself to be a God of the second chance. So let me pick up the story from where we left off last week. Verse 13, Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message to the, of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. I want you to file that away. I'm gonna come back to that, super important. Declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. And they came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God. Actually, because of what I just reminded you and those of you that were here last week, no, they got back to work. They didn't start the project, they got back to work. They regrouped, refocused, and went from putting themselves first to getting it right and putting God first and got back to, to, to working on rebuilding the temple. And this is a classic God move, stirring up the Spirit of people. See, serving God isn't just about getting tasks done. When you're building a temple, you're not moving rocks, you're bringing God glory. You're not uh, laying stones, you're, you're, you're creating uh, environments for worship. And, and that's our lives. Our life purpose is to bring God glory. And yes, some of that takes place in the routine and the mundane and the repetition and the same old, same old. And I'm still married to the same person as I was yesterday. And I've still got to keep investing into the same kids that I had last week. And I've still got to turn up to the same job that I had last year. But in all of that, bringing God glory. But if we listen to Him, and we're doing what He's called us to do. At the front end of that, He stirs up our spirit. He gives us vision. He gives us hope. He stretches us. He, 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 he increases our passion. And so we don't just go, oh yeah, I'm following Jesus. I'm so miserable. Oh, following Jesus sucks. Come and follow Him with me. Oh, this is the worst decision I've ever made. There should be life and faith and vision and future and potential and purpose. Oh, Jesus, I suppose. Jesus called me to do something. Classic Aussie move. I suppose. No, if we open our lives and our hearts up to the Spirit of Jesus, He stirs us up before He sets us to work. Sets us to work. And, and though, but He doesn't just wanna pump up our tyres, He pumps our tyres up so we can fricking drive the car. We're meant to do something. We're meant to show up and do work. Uh, so, but one month in, down tools for 14 years, built the foundation, built the altar, down tools, when and worked in their own houses, put themselves first for 14 years. God gives them a second chance. Good, they took it, they got back to work. One month they lasted. <laughs> and I'm gonna tell you why in a moment. We have a car park out here, a little car park on Kuyong Road. 
Two years ago, the house adjacent to that car park came up for sale. Uh, $975,000. Now the house is a junker. No one was going to go in and buy the house. In fact, if you drive down that road, you'll see that the old blocks, big, are being bought up, bulldozed, and four to five townhouses are being built. Good. However, we've discovered that God's not building any more dirt. And we as a church want to make sure that we've got a footprint that we can expand as we continue to grow. And so we said to the real estate agent, we'd like to buy that. And the real estate agent said to us, great, how much money do you have? And we said to the real estate agent, we don't have a cent. And he said, interesting proposition. Million dollar property, no money to pay for it. But God had stirred us up that, that, that if you don't take opportunities when the time is now, that sometimes, even though he's a God of the second chance, that opportunity will no longer be ahead of you. And by the way, if, if we weren't gonna get that, we knew we'd have five new neighbours popping up to complain about those bloody rowdy youth on a Friday night. <laughs> and those music, that music, God, I wish it was like the old days when you just had an organ and nobody had a pulse. Yeah, well, we didn't want that. So we said we're gonna buy that. And so as a church, we said we, we committed ourselves to 40 days of prayer and fasting. Plus we spoke to a finance broker. <laughs> like we spoke to God and a finance broker. And uh, the banks thought it was hilarious, which is fair enough. Hi, we're a church. We'd like to buy a property for a million dollars. We don't have any money. Would you lend us a million dollars? And the banks were like, um... No. And we kept praying and we kept fasting and we kept talking to our finance broker. And actually the deal could have fallen over on three separate occasions. I mean, literally, it was a, it was a, it was a matter of hours from this thing falling over. And if it, if it had fallen over, it's gone. Someone else comes in with money, someone with money, <laughs> hard to compete with someone with money when you're trying to buy something, you don't have any. And, uh, but God had stirred something up in us that this was something that he wanted to do, that God wanted us to enlarge the place of our tents straight out of the book of Isaiah, that, that, that actually you enlarge, you enlarge before you fill. You enlarge your vision for your marriage before your marriage catches up. You enlarge your vision for the future of your kids before your kids reach the age where you can see them achieving that level of potential. You enlarge your vision for your business before your business hits a certain level of revenue and profitability. You enlarge and God fills. And so long story short, or as Louis' Italian grandmother says, to make a shorter story long, uh, after nearly three months of negotiation, we bought that property. And it's got a tenant in there and, and we spend more on it fixing things <laughs> than the rent pays. But it's there for the future, for the vision. God had stirred us up and we could have quit. We could have got discouraged. We could have said it's too hard and we could have walked away. The people stopped for the second time after one month. 
And I thought it was interesting that we're now one month into 2017. And I wonder if any of us have stopped doing something that we charged into this brand new year with grand visions and grand plans and grand commitments. And after a month, you've stopped. I'm just asking the question. This year is the year we're gonna get out of debt. Still going with that? This year is the year we're gonna improve our marriage. Still going with that? This year is the year gonna get my house sorted. January 1st, I'm gonna join the gym. And then this happened. Yeah, exactly. Fantastic. And now it's February 15th. And I wonder if you can raise your glass to this one. Hmm. And I said last week, and we learned from this story of the people, that one reason people quit on assignments God gives them is that things get hard. And the challenge is to choose the hard right over the easy wrong. And you can go back and listen to that on the podcast. But you'll understand this, that another reason that people often quit on what God's called them to do is they get discouraged. Bank won't lend us money, get discouraged. And at the very core of discouragement is the C word. No, not that C word, comparison. Think about it. Let me drill into this. You get discouraged when you compare what's happening with what you expected to be happening by that stage of your journey. Things aren't progressing the way you thought they were progressing, so you get discouraged. Not that they're not progressing, but you're comparing them to your expectations. And compared to your expectations, they're not going as fast as you thought they would. And so we can get discouraged based on comparison. I decided in January to get my health in check. And so I cleaned up my nutrition and I joined the gym and I was there three, four times a week. In February 1, I jumped on the scales and I swear I heard them giggle and I got discouraged. We decided we're gonna get out of debt this year, get out of debt. And so we got our budget together and we, and we started on the debt snowball, pay the smallest debt off first, build some momentum, build, build some small wins, work towards the largest one, get debt free. January 28th, engine blew up in our car. Two steps forward, three steps back. Oh, what's the point? This isn't working out the way I thought it would, comparing it. And you get discouraged. And the other comparison that leads to discouragement is comparing your progress to other people. Because you know somebody that drives a nicer car than you, lives in a nicer home, lives in a nicer suburb. You know the mom who drops her kids off at school and they are perfectly groomed, have remembered to do all their homework, brought all of their stationary supplies with them, and have a tray of baked goods for everybody in the classroom. You know that lady. And you pull up and you consider it a win if Junior just remembered to put his pants on that morning. Yep, got pants. Have a great day, Junior. How come my son's the only one without a backpack? The person you went to university with recently 
and you both graduated and they're now working in the industry that you studied for and you're still schlepping tables for minimum wage on a Friday night at a local coffee shop. God bless the wait staff just the same. That's not why you went to university. The person who started their business the same time as you and they're now can't find enough new staff to fill all the positions and yet you're letting staff go. They print their profit and loss statement out in black ink and you print yours out in red ink. The person who joined the gym at the same time as you and they've just gone out and bought their brand new wardrobe to celebrate. (laughs) And the reason you know that is because they posted it on Instagram and tagged you. (laughs) How you like me now? The person who, the family who decided to also live debt-free just around the same time as you decided to to live debt-free have just celebrated getting debt-free by booking their all expenses paid 14 day trip around France. And you're on first name basis with your local mechanic because your car keeps breaking down. And you're on first name basis with the person that sells stuff at Radio Rentals that you can't afford. That's why you need to go to Radio Rentals, which is why you shouldn't go to Radio Rentals compared to other people. And we get discouraged. Comparison is the root of discouragement. And and here's my prayer today. For those of you who are discouraged, and and I'm almost certain that, that there are multiple people here that on February 15, 2017, there's something, some area or areas in your life that aren't going the way that you've expected, that, that aren't progressing the way you'd hoped for and, and, and you're discouraged right now. And my prayer is that what we continue to look at this morning is that God will breathe fresh life into the dream, into the promise, into the assignment that He's given you that February 15 is certainly not too late to, 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 to get up and get busy again. So Haggai, God spoke through him after they downed tools after one month and said to them, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How's it look to you now? Now, see now, Haggai at this point, it was probably in his mid-70s and this house, this house of God had been destroyed at that point for about 64, 65 years. So, so likely as a young teenage boy, almost certainly as a young teenage boy, Haggai would have seen the temple in all its glory when it was at, when it was at bam, up there. And, 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 and some of the people, some of the 50,000 that was sent, that was set free to go and work on it, some of them would have likely seen it as well. And so here's Haggai, full of grace and mercy and tenderness, speaking on behalf of God. And what does he say? How's it look to you now? Does it seem to you like nothing? It's like, this is not what you say to somebody who's discouraged if you're trying to encourage them. Well, how's your life look now? Pretty crap. Everyone knows. Well, 
Fortunately, that's not the end of what God spoke through Haggai because he then said this. But now, one of the most important life skills you and I can develop is to regularly do a reality check, to regularly lift up every rock that, that's in our lives and see if there's anything under there that needs improving, that needs fixing, that needs work, that needs more intentionality. And, and, and so Haggai said, look, this temple, guys, remember what it looked, looked like before? It, it doesn't look like that yet. And he wasn't trying to rub their noses in it. He was saying, so, so we're not done. You're down tools, we haven't finished. The assignment is to build the temple. The assignment wasn't just to build the foundation and the altar. So because it doesn't look like it looks, and even though you've down tools twice now, the God of the second chance shows up to be the God of the third chance. And that's great news for some of you because some of you have tried to beat an addiction and you've tried to beat it once and you've tried to beat it twice and you've tried to beat it three times and 10 times and 20 times. And you've declared that this year is gonna be the year that you break out of that addiction. No more walking around in the wilderness. And you need to know that God is a God of the third chance and the fourth chance and the fifth chance because He's got a promise. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. And yeah, He's released you from some stuff, but there's some, still some stuff He wants to do in you and don't quit on Him. Marriage has been tough lately, don't quit. In your marriage, don't just keep the back door closed, brick it over. Don't put your kids on eBay when they don't do what you wanna do after a month. It's not cool. It's not legal. There are some websites where it is. Don't go there. But now, now, we're not finished, but now, be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. And work, for I'm with you, declares the Lord Almighty. There's the major keys right now. When you're discouraged, be strong and work. When you're discouraged, be strong and work. Do you know the times that you need to be strong and continue working the most is when you're the most discouraged. Because when you're encouraged, when life's just swinging, when, when when, when, when you're on the mountaintops, you don't need to be reminded to be strong because you're strong. Woo! Feeling it. You don't need to be reminded to work. Man, I'm loving this so much. They have to tell me to go home. <laughs> and so the great paradox here is when we're the most discouraged and, and, and feeling like going to work the least is when we need to turn up and work the most because you don't just live by your feelings. Be strong, I feel weak, yeah, be strong, but I feel weak, yeah, be strong, but I feel weak. That's right, I know you feel weak, that's why I'm reminding you to be strong. If you didn't need reminding, I would be reminding you. I just say, keep doing what you're doing, it's working. I know it's not working, be strong and work. I don't feel like turning up to work. Me and my doona, best 
friends forever. No, work, turn up, turn up, turn up. Oh, but the, the temple, it's just the foundations and just an altar. It doesn't look anything like, like Solomon's did. You know that, you just told us that. Does it look like, no, it doesn't look like that. Well, what am I supposed to do about that? I'm gonna quit, we're so discouraged. We remember what it used to look like. It doesn't look like anything like that now. No, don't quit, don't stop, be strong and work. Well, well where do I begin? Pick up that stone from there and put it there. (laughs) Yep, still don't look anything like Solomon's temple. (laughs) I know. Be strong and work. Pick up the next stone. And what am I supposed to do after that? Pick up the next stone. And then after that, pick up the next stone. And then, next stone. And, and then what? Next stone. You see, you see, it seems to be a bit of a pattern here. And then the next stone. And then the next stone. And then the next stone. <laughs> Because think about it this way. If you're discouraged by a lack of progress, how's quitting gonna help you achieve the goal? (laughs) I know, I get paid just to say obvious stuff. (laughs) This time last year, uh, Stuart Roberts, the fine looking specimen that was uh, leading worship up here. He and I uh, were training for an event called the Five Dams Challenge. It's in April. You ride from Curtin University around up Mundaring Hill, Mundaring Dam, and then the other four, some of whose names I can't pronounce, and uh, back down to Curtin. It's 235 kilometres on your push bike, bike, not motorbike, push bike challenge. Uh, 3,000 metres of, of, uh, of hills to climb. And. Uh, I'd sort of done some stuff in that realm, Stewie hadn't, and so I, I invited him to come and, and, and join me and just do this kind of uh, thing together. And in and, and, and summer, we were training for this. Uh, uh, there, was a whole, there was a lot of bromance, I can tell you. Um, I think uh, our respective wives were starting to get suspicious that we'd turn for each other. But, um, <laughs> and, uh, and, 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 and so when you, ha- when you, when you are going to train for an event that requires you to cycle 235 kilometres in one go, over 3,000 metres of, of, of vertical climbing in one go, um, and you haven't done anything like that, you can't just wake up on the morning of the event and say, hmm, better check if my bike tyres are pumped up. No, you've got to do some prep. And so here's the thing, Stewie and I, we committed to do some prep. Cycling. This is how cycling goes. You ready? <clears throat> Left leg, right leg, repeat. <laughs> and we started training and uh, we had some great training sessions, great training sessions, but you know, there was a few that didn't go so well. And, 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 I, and I'm not trying to diss on Stewie. This will sound like I am, but listen to the whole story. I've already apologised in advance to Stewie for the first half of the story. Um, still, we had a few bad days in training. One of the days uh, was a January Saturday morning. Uh, the temperature by about 8 a.m. had reached 38 degrees Celsius. And, and, uh, and Stewie um, 
had to stop repeatedly because his feet were swelling. And, and I think he was wearing his little brother's cycling shoes as well. So these two things didn't help. And so he was pretty frustrated and, and, and pretty, and pretty uh, discouraged through that training session. But the key was that next Saturday, pull your bike out again and get back on. Left leg, right leg, repeat. We had a, a, a session where um, Stewie was struggling a little bit on the Saturday morning session. And I later discovered that uh, Susan had picked him up from the pub at midnight uh, the night before quitting time and we start cycling at 6 a.m., which is not what the coach suggested he do as the night before his prep. He wasn't drunk, he was just tired, okay? And so that was a bit of a suffer fest for Paul Stewie. But the next Saturday, he got back on and, and did it again. Closer to the event, Stewie's getting in pretty good shape. Uh, he decided, or he had his bike stolen, and so he uh, went to uh, Foothill Cycles, official bike supplier to Elevate Church, and uh, saw Super Steve, and uh, Super Steve hooked him up with a new bike. But with about a week or two to go, we, we went for our Saturday morning long bike ride in the hills. The, every bike has a different seat, different saddle, and uh, this new saddle uh, just wasn't, not everyone's saddle, because, you know, there's no one size fits all. You've got to kind of, and, and Stu was struggling with the saddle. And it wasn't just the, 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 the fact that the saddle was the wrong shape for him. He, it was that coupled with uh, uh, what the French uh, called uh, Nouvelle Petit Derriere. Um, and uh, you can Google that later on. And, uh, and so there was a struggle. There wasn't as much padding between his uh, sit bones and the seat as it was back in January. There's a clue. And... Um, <laughs> But Stewie gallantly made it not just to the start line of the Five Dams Challenge on April 3, but to the finish line. And it's because he kept being strong and doing the work. Being strong and doing the work. Some of you this year, you've said you wanna get debt free. Well, guess what? Do a budget, start the debt snowball every week. Pay the maximum you can towards that smallest debt and then when you clear that smallest debt, take that and start putting it on the next one. Keep being strong, keep doing the work. Some of you, you wanna get closer to God this year. You wanna have a closer and deeper relationship with Him and one of the things you've decided is gonna help you do that is read your Bible more consistently. Well, guess what? That requires you to read your Bible more consistently. It requires you to read your Bible even when you don't feel like reading your Bible. It requires you to read your Bible even when you don't necessarily have a lot of spare time to read your Bible. Be strong, do the work. It's not always easy. Be strong, do the work. I said last week, I asked the question, how many of you read the book of Haggai? And most people hadn't. And I, look, that's cool. I wasn't asking, just, just curious to know. But here's the thing. It's two chapters, 38 verses. That's it. I said last Sunday, join me <laughs> over these next two weeks and let's read it. One chapter one week, one chapter the next, donezo. I didn't say let's read the Bible in two weeks, just two chapters. And for some of you, and I, and, and I don't say this to, to uh, diss on you either, is, is that may be a next step for you because you've never cultivated the habit of regularly reading the Bible and you're leaving stuff on the table. Effective people do consistently what ineffective people do occasionally. Major key. But here's the thing, and I said this right at the beginning. 
There was a third thing that God said to the people. He said, be strong. He said, do the work. And he said a third thing, which was the most important thing, for I am with you. And when you bake that truth into showing up, doing the work, it's a game changer. And here's why it's a game changer. Because you can go to just about any motivational seminar. You can read just about any motivational book. And and many of them are good, often based on biblical principles or they don't give God the credit for them. But, but, but they will tell you, show up, do the work. They'll tell you that character t- teaches you to be strong, show up, do the work. That, that, that success requires you to do consistently what, what ineffective people do occasionally. Well, that's fantastic. And when you get discouraged, they'll tell you to do this. Okay, self-talk now, buddy. Self-talk, come on, Pommers, self-talk, come on. All right, come on, you and me in the locker room, you and me in the locker room. Okay, I've been discouraged right now. All right, here is it, here we go. Come on, you can do it. You can do this. You can do this. You're like the Bulgarian weightlifter. That's self-talk. If you think that being strong and doing the work only requires you doing it in your own strength. The game changer is shifting to realising that God is with you. And so then the self-talk moves from Palmer's, you can do this to Palmer's, we can do this. Game officially changed. If you're going into 2017, wanting to cross over to the other side, wanting to break out into all that God has promised to do in you and for you, and you're doing it in your own strength, let me say right now, you will not get there. Well, some of us might. No, none of you will. Not to where God wants you. Yeah, you you might get further along than you are. Good, we're humans, we're pretty capable individuals, but you won't get to where God wants you to be. And why cap your capacity to only achieve in your life what you can see when God can see far further, far better, far bigger for your life. But He doesn't say it to put it out of reach. He says that, remember, in this journey, I am with you. I'm with you when you're encouraged, and I'm with you when you're discouraged. I will never leave you nor forsake you. When it's easy, I'm with you. When it's hard, I'm with you. When you're picking up the one stone and putting it on the first course of rocks, I'm with you. When you're putting the roof tiles on, I'm with you. And then God said a crazy thing, stupid thing, ridiculous thing. God, have you lost your mind? He said, the glory of this present house the temple will be greater than the glory of the former house. You know what? Historians will tell you the new temple didn't look anything like Solomon's first go at it. It was terrible when they finished, still terrible by, by comparison. So has God lost His mind? The glory of the... Oh, He didn't say that this present house will be greater. He said the glory of this present house will be greater. The people of Israel had to visit a building to meet with God. If they wanted to access His presence, it was in one address, in one postcode. Now, if you have made a decision to follow Jesus, you take His presence, you take His glory everywhere you go. You parent with His power in you. 
You do marriage with His power in you. You go to work with His power in you. you, you the power doesn't leave you at 11 a.m. Even, even though it's 11.01, it's 11 a.m. Because God's glory comes from His Holy Spirit in you. Greater, less limited than the former house. So if you're discouraged, I wanna pray for you. Don't look at the clock, even though I just revealed the time. I wanna pray for you, but before I do, and I want you to think about that and be honest, look under the rock. Am I discouraged? Is there anything, honestly, that, that, that I've kind of thought about quitting on? I'm gonna pray for you. Before I do, I wanna ask a question about following Jesus. And we say this every week. This is actually, this question is actually the most important question we ask every week. And, and the question is simply this. Have you, your mom, not your grandma, not your neighbour, have you made a personal decision for you? Have you made a decision to follow Jesus, to make Him the Lord of your life? And if you haven't, <laughs> great news is, I wanna give you that opportunity right here, right now. And all I want you to do in a moment is put your hand up and you're saying to, to, to God, I want to follow Jesus. I wanna have a relationship with Him. I wanna put my trust in Him. If you've never done that before, then I'm giving you that opportunity to do that this morning. In fact, right now, those of you that have never made that decision to follow Jesus, just slip your hand up. When I see your hand, you can put it down and then I'm gonna pray for you from up here. And I wanna miss anybody. We had two people raise their hand last week. We had one person raise their hand the week before. If you've never made this decision, now's, the time is now. Don't miss it. Okay, I'm gonna pray for you if you're discouraged. I can't, I can't make you be strong. I can't make you do the work but I can pray for you, remind you that God is always with you and that's what I wanna do right now, whatever area or areas that is. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you do never leave us or forsake us, that, that when you said that you were leaving this world, that you were sending another, another who is even greater because he'll be in you and be able to work through you. That's your Holy Spirit. That's the same power that raised you from the dead. That's the same power that turned God into a grave robber. Well, that same power, that dynamite power that caused that moment in history to change history is present in us. And I thank you. And God, by way of a reminder that I pray that into the people here who are discouraged, who, who, who are stuck in this wilderness, who, who, who are wondering if they can even go forward. God, remind them to be strong. Remind them to show up and do the work and remind them, God, in this moment that You are with them for now and for always in every area, every aspect that You've called them to. In Jesus' Name, Amen.